Welcome back to the Sensational Sports Trio. This is one of your three hosts, Will Pesek. Joining me in studio, Corey Picard. You may wonder why there is no intro music. That is because we are not in our original studio. We are coming to you live from the Martiri Theater in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, as we're right on the border of Fairfield and Bridgeport. So a lot to discuss in the NFL, and especially the MLB. Without further ado, Corey, take it away as we get Liam Goddard over the phone in just a few seconds. Uh, not our original studio, but we hope to be in there again at some time next week. Yeah, not our original date here on a Sunday, Selection Sunday, actually. And St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. And um, Happy St. Patrick's Day is right. Yesterday was yeah. the St. Patrick's Day parade in Manhattan. And I'm excited to get back to this podcast and start talking a lot of big moves in the NFL, a lot, a lot to talk about in all the sports. Yeah, talk about a wild 24 hours in Absolutely. New York City. You had the St. Patrick's Day parade, and then <laughs> six hours later, you had the Big East final between Villanova and Seton Hall, and obviously, you know, the end result there, Villanova going up and defeating Seton Hall, you know, by a very slim margin. Yep. So that's that. And now joining us now over the phone is Liam Gottimer. Liam, we mentioned at the top of the show, not our original day. We apologize for the delayed start time. We originally said 11.30. And 40 minutes later, we have finally reached you. We First of all, our studio was originally locked because it's a Sunday. We get in there. The microphones are still not in. So we're in our original studio, which is where we recorded in our garage bed. We re-downloaded the app Audacity, which we, which we record this on. That was not working. So we had to finally uh, play around with the material. So finally it works. And Liam, we apologize for the delay. And we're back. Yeah, we're certainly back. Absolutely no worries, guys. You know, this stuff happens when, you know, we're in the field of broadcasting and communication. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely ready to get the show. We had a wild week of sports, you know, especially around the New York area. And football, the Jets and the Giants made huge noise. And obviously the Big East tournament uh, uh, ended last night and was uh, definitely entertaining. So I'm ready to talk about it, guys. Let's get into it. Yeah, for sure. And I think where we're going to start is we're going to start with the New York Jets. Uh, obviously, I mean, we could start at at, at, at a various different levels here between the Jets and the Giants. But first, you know, we'll start with the Odell Beckham trade. That happened first. Giants star wide receiver and possibly their face of the franchise, Odell Beckham Jr., gets traded to the Cleveland Browns. And a lot of speculation there. Is he going to fit in with the style Baker Mayfield plays? Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. are the state of the player. They're head cases. You add that to already head case and Jarvis Landry, it's a recipe for disaster. Now, yeah, the, this Brown team on paper looks very, very good. Odell Beckham Jr., you know, Miles Garrett on the defense, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry. This is not a team the teams should take lightly, uh, lightly, and we saw that with the, towards the end of last season. Finally, the Browns are not the laughing stock of the league anymore. Finally, the Browns are a team that you have to think is going to be competitive, but my question is... Do, is this the right move for the New York Giants? And quite frankly, I don't necessarily think yes, but I don't necessarily think no. I think there's a various number of ways they could go out at, and, and, and look at this. And I think I want to start at what was said from Dave Gettleman back in August when they signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a new contract. So he was the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. And he said we did not sign him to trade him. 
what do you know? A year goes by and they trade him. Now, not only are you going to have to eat some of that salary, now you don't have all of that cap space that you were going to have if you were to franchise him and then trade him. So now they can suck with a little bit more of his salary. So now it becomes a game here for the New York Giants. So, and you have to think, was the return good enough? A first round pick, so now they have pick number two. Uh, what did they have? Six? Number six. Six pick, another 17 pick. A fourth rounder, and Jabril Peppers, who's who's an okay player. But was the return strong enough for the Giants? And was this the necessary move? I don't think so. I think they had to get rid of the quarterback, and if you add a quarterback to that group, you have a playoff team. Mm-hmm. But instead, you traded away half your entire team. Corey, we'll start with you. It's funny you mentioned the quarterback, because news broke that they're no longer really interested in Dwayne Haskins, which was a lot of mock drafts had them taking him, and he, he's... The probably now considered the second best quarterback for a while. He was considered the best quarterback in the draft, but he's definitely he's definitely one of the best quarterbacks in this draft and has a lot of potential. Now they're sticking with Eli Manning, could really not help them in the future. Um, and when you consider the trade, I think it was a good trade for the Browns. Jabril Peppers is a he has a lot of potential, but he's not a great player. He wasn't great in his rookie year. He has a lot of potential to become better in the coming years. But Odell's a star, and if he's that piece that Baker needs and the, the Browns offense needs to get to that next level, and he very well could be, and he, he he's the, tr- the trade asset they needed to get. And when it comes to the Giants' side of the trade, <laughs> I thought they were doing the right thing. They were starting to rebuild in the right way. They, got, they traded for Kevin Z- Zietler, and they traded away a big contract in Olivier Vernon. I thought they were making good trades in the rebuild. And then they do this trade. It doesn't really make much sense to me. Odell's young. He's a star in the league. And they trade him away for... Yes, they got young talent. Two, a a first-round pick and Jabril Peppers, who was a first-round pick last year. Young talent, but Odell is a star. And Jabril Peppers needs to develop into a star, or their 17th pick they need to ace on, which is, I believe, about what they got selected Odell at yeah. when Odell was in the draft. I think it was Brandon Cooks at 13 and then Odell at 14 that year. Yeah, so if they could get an Odell, or not even Odell, but an Odell-like player, or somebody that has talent close to the level of Odell with the 17th pick, that's a great pick. That's a great trade, but it's really it comes down to how they draft and how Jabril Peppers develops as a player. Right, and you know, I agree with you, Corey, and as far as the Giants are concerned, Will, I agree, I agree that the Giants needed a change this offseason, but I, I don't think that it was trading Odell Beckham Jr. I think that, you know, I agree with Corey on a lot of points. I think that Odell Beckham Jr. is a franchise player, and there are not many wide receivers out there like him, you know, in the past or present, and I think the return needed to, you know, really describe that, and if you ask me, Jabril Peppers in the number 17 pick doesn't really do it for me. Mm. I don't like the return for the Giants, but, you know, you look to the flip side, you look at the Cleveland Browns, and I think that it's a magnificent trade. I think that Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr., you know, two head cases, Will, you're right. But I think, you know, on the football field, I think they're going to be magic. And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that the Super Bowl odds for the Cleveland Browns went to 10-1 to 1 or 11-1 to 1 after the trade for Odell Beckham Jr., so, you know, it's definitely creating a, a lot of talk in the NFL. But yeah, I like the trade, not from the Giants' perspective, from, but from the Browns' perspective, they hit a home run. 
I mean, they were unloading a lot of what they were trying to get rid of at the trade deadline. Obviously, they traded away Landon Collins, a bunch of their other pieces. We know the whole thing with Collins. Now he's back in Washington on a six-year contract. And uh, yeah, a lot of their young talent is still there, but they did a lot of it away. And you, you, you have to think you have all those guys. They added a ton of pieces in the offseason. You added to the offensive line with Nate Solder back in the offseason to help get Saquon Barkley, who is a fantastic player, to the elite level he could be at. And you, and you really have to question Dave Gettleman's decision here. Was trading with him a smart thing to do? Really, I think in hindsight, it was the quarterback scenario because Eli Manning is not the same quarterback where he could escape the pocket. Yeah, he doesn't have a, the best offensive line, but you have a mobile quarterback like a Sam Darnold, like a Baker Mayfield, like a Tyrod Taylor that can escape the pocket and have time to throw the football. There's a lot of other things that could go into that play. And I think that's where the Giants, you know, failed on. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of this offseason is going to be getting that quarterback, whether it's trading for Josh Rosen from Arizona, mm-hmm. because of this talk that Arizona can be drafting Cutler Murray with the first overall pick this year. Yeah. So there's a lot of options that the, that the Giants can go, but it's a head-scratcher to see Odell Beckham Jr. get traded to the yeah. Giants. And a lot of the New York media was reacting to that. And then six hours later, the New York Jets go off the cover, not only losing out on Anthony Barr, who backed out of a contract, but... <laughs> Sorry, the most talented free agent who has been talked about for the entire calendar season in the NFL, and that's Le'Veon Bell. Uh, the former Pittsburgh Steeler is arguably one of the best running backs in the game, if not the best running back in football. Does he fit as, as a New York Jet? Yeah, I mean, he fits. I'd say he fits into just about any team. But yeah, he fits in the Jets roster that doesn't really have a running back. One, Isaiah Crowell has had a good season, but they don't have a uh, specific best running back on that roster and I think there's definitely an open spot for him and that's why he went there. He's going to produce. He absolutely is going to produce but they can and, use him in so many different roles too. Yeah. They don't have the best wide receiving core. Quincy Nunwa is always a question mark with his health. Robbie Anderson, he's very streaky. He can either catch oh, yeah. six passes for 200 yards <laughs> or one pass for 30 yards. You add a guy like Le'Veon Bell, he could be a slot receiver. They just added Jamison Crowder. There's a lot of a lot of holes that they could fill. Just adding that one player on the offense. The thing about that is he's going to get the Sa- the Saquon treatment, where the offense is going to revolve around a running back. Saquon's going to get that in in New York because Eli likes to dump off a lot of passes to him, and now he doesn't even have Odell anymore. That's I think he's going to be an outlet for Sam Darnold a lot of the time, and he's going to have to carry that offense a lot of the time. And in today's NFL, I don't know if uh, having a running back to stick to your running back as the best option is to work. It's a passing league. And, you know, Le'Veon's very talented, but I think, you know my opinion on Sam Darnold. I don't think he's the future. He definitely, I mean, it, this is the year. He could he, be the future. I mean, he had, a, he, had a, he had a stronger second half than he did the first half. I think primarily it was because he learned from a veteran. And when, when, when the Jets drafted mm-hmm. him, I didn't expect him to be the week one starter. When Todd Bowles announced, it, announced him as the week one starter, it was kind of a head-scratcher, sure. Fans wanted to see him as that week one starter. Who would they rather see? The kid that they drafted third overall or the 38-year-old Josh McCown? That answer is obvious. Yeah. But what's better for the guy's career? And personally, I think learning from a veteran like Josh McCown was the better plan for Sam Donald. You see it. It was a tale of two seasons. He struggled in the first half. Ellis took 
completely different quarterback in the second half of the season, and that's a lot. And you have to figure that he did not have a lot of weapons. He literally was hurt for the majority of the year. Mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson was either suspended or hurt and then to participate. The only guy that was a consistent wide receiver on that team didn't really catch that many passes, and he was a tight end, Chris Herndon. Yep. And then you had Bilal Powell and Isaiah Crowell, who were, yeah, weapons, but now you when you add a Jamison Crowder, you yeah. add a guy like Le'Veon Bell, you give a guy like Sam Darnold, who we don't know his ceiling yet. His yeah. ceiling is high. The Jets drafted him. They know that. They're not drafting a quarterback this year. This is the season for Sam Darnold. He has the weapons. Josh Bellamy, Jamison Crowder, Inunua, Anderson, mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell, the weapons are there. It's how is Sam Donald going to produce in that situation that's, moving forward. That's exactly what I was going to say. The Jets, you see, you, you mentioned all of them. Bellamy, Crowder, Bell, they signed these guys. This is the year to see what Sam Darnold has. That, I don't know if Jameson Crowder or Josh Bellamy are the biggest signings. I don't know if they're going to produce, but the Jets it's, are it's, expecting it, it, them. It's a lot better than what they had yeah. in the past. And the Jets are, are <laughs> absolutely expecting Sam Darnold to make the most of this. And if he doesn't, Maybe it's not even his fault. Maybe Crowder isn't as good as he is expected to be. But if he doesn't, year two, two year, two bad struggling years is not going to be good. Not Carson Wentz struggled in his first year. Yeah, and that's Jared why Jared Goff was that's atrocious why it's this is, year. Know, that this is it. This is the definition season, really. I mean, breakout after two in his third year, yes. But the Jets want him this year, this is and it. that's why they signed all these guys. They made. Even C.J. Mosley on defense, they're looking for Sam Darnold to break out this year. Maybe not a playoff year, but a better year, and to set him up for the future. Yeah, guys, you know I agree. I think that Le'Veon Bell, he's he's at the end of the day, he's a versatile player, and mm-hmm. the Jets acquired somebody who's not only going to help at the running back position. You, you know, I think that I read a stat that he has, you know, the higher percentage of passing yards from running backs uh, in the league in the last couple of years. So I think that. It's a good acquisition. It doesn't get the Jets over the top, but as far as Sam Darnold, I agree 100%. The Jets are handing him a silver platter here. There are a ton of weapons out there. You know, you go from the Nunwa uh, to Le'Veon Bell, and I believe they cut Isaiah Crowell, uh, they did. They if I'm did. not mistaken. Um, so, you know, the, uh, the weapons are there for Sam Darnold, and it's just up to him to capitalize now on it. And I think that we're really going to see what kind of quarterback this guy is, if he's a bust or if he's a... Uh, or if he's going to be somebody that's, that's uh, going to lead the Jets into the future. But I like the deal for Le'Veon Bell, but losing Anthony Barr also hurts. <laughs> and also, you have to figure, the whole Jets offseason plan was to get Sam Darnold to the quarterback that they expected him to be. They signed Adam Gase because of his history with quarterbacks. Sam Darnold was on a FaceTime call with Adam Gase and said, this is the guy I want to coach me for next year. So the entire offseason was built around developing Sam Darnold. And this is the season. They have the head coach that they dreamed about. Every team nowadays needs an offensive head coach. We've seen a huge, huge difference in teams that have one. You go from... Mike Fisher, not Jeff Fisher, I'm thinking of the hockey player, Mike Fisher. <laughs> Jeff Fisher in Los Angeles to Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what the Jets are trying to get. Teams are looking for the next Sean McVay. Whether it was Cliff Kingsbury that the that the Cardinals got. Maybe it is the next Sean McVay. But the Jets took a wild card, and they needed a guy with NFL coaching experience. You know this better than anyone. Oh, yeah. He was not the best head coach in Miami. Yep. And the Jets are relying on a better bounce back career from him everybody learns from their rookie job everybody mm-hmm. this is it they have the weapons they have the coaching Greg Williams and that defense is going to be 
amazing <laughs> when you factor in Jamal Adams, uh, Leonard Williams, Leonard Williams, Williams C.J. Mosley. They're not going to be a joke anymore. The Jets are no longer the laughing stock of the league with the Cleveland Browns. These are two competitive football teams with two competitive quarterbacks who hope to be the quarterbacks of the future. Weapons surrounding them. The Browns also have Kareem Hunt, but he's oh, missing yeah. the first six games. Eight games. Eight games. These teams are no longer flukes. And this is it. It's now or never. I'm not saying the Jets are going to go make the playoffs, but I believe they finished 5-11 this year, 4-12, whatever it was, 6-10, and 10, something along those lines. You cannot do that anymore. As a Jet fan, you'd be satisfied if you go 7-9. and Because, mm-hmm. believe it or not, 7-9 and nine is almost good enough for a wild card <laughs> in, in, in today's NFL. You go 8-8, eight 9-7. Eight, Jeff fans are not expecting sixteen and 0, 13 no, and you know thirteen and three, fifteen and two. Some of them might be, but some of them, yeah. <laughs> but we're expecting them to be five hundred or slightly above, mm-hmm. and that after these three miserable seasons is something to look forward to. <laughs> and Jet head coaches have a history of being above five hundred in all of their tenures. Eric Mangini, Rex Ryan, and Todd Bowles. Gase. Porch is yours. <laughs> Moving on, the Miami Dolphins have released uh, quarterback Ryan Tadhill. They traded him. Yeah. So, big news for the Dolphins. We'll start with Liam on this. We'll go to Corey, the Dolphin fan, West, <laughs> for his uh, hooray on this. <laughs> Ryan Tadhill out Miami. I believe they have pick what? Um, They got a fourth rounder in 2020. What pick and, did they have in the first round? Oh, in the first round, thir- uh, 13. Liam, obviously the quarterback's going in, Kyler Murray. Dwayne Haskins, pick number 13. Could the Dolphins get anything with that, or is a trade down likely, or a trade for a quarterback, whether it's a Josh Rosen, to get the Dolphins their quarterback they've been looking for? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the uh, dropping Ryan Tannehill the other day, you know, certainly it came across as a shocker. I know they had high hopes for him. I know the last couple of years it's just kind of, you know, ran out of his course with the Dolphins. And I think that they have a really good team, and I think with a good quarterback, a good stable quarterback would, uh, would really take them to the next level. So I think that dropping Tannehill is going to be a good subtraction, how they get there, how they get to their new quarterback, whether through the draft or through a trade. I think it's going to be through the draft, if I would have to guess, probably trading up, uh, trading down, excuse me, to get to, uh, you know, top 10 pick where they can get a sought-after quarterback. But I think they're going to go after the draft. I think they're going to go young. They're going to try to develop their new franchise quarterback because clearly Ryan Tannehill wasn't that guy. So. Uh, I am very happy. I mean, I was expecting, the, after such a long time without even being able to trade him, I was expecting the them to cut him. I was expecting the Dolphins to cut him straight up and have to take a cap hit for that. And they still take a cap hit, but they, they free up $26 million in the next two years. $13 million per year. They got a fourth-round pick, which in the NFL is it's not a bad yeah, pick. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's valuable. Yeah, that exactly. Valuable. They got a fourth-round pick in 2020, which it really looks like they're, start, they're trying to rebuild starting that year. They have, have double-digit draft picks in 2020 now. They have a seventh-round pick this year, and they, got rid of a, they had to trade away a sixth-round pick with him. They, they were going to cut this guy. And to get that return for him, to free up some cap space, to get a fourth round As a backup, yeah. he's going to be backing up Marcus Mariota. I don't get what the Titans were thinking. I mean, Mariota's injury prone, but you're going to trade that much for a guy that's... I know they restructured his contract. He's only, uh, I believe it's one year, $13 million or something like that now. 
I think the whole plan behind this was you saw what Tyler Hill could do healthy. He took them to mm-hmm. a 3-0 record to start the season. Yeah. You know, that's what they see in him. And a guy that's always injury prone, what if it's week one of the, you know, and Mariota goes down with a, you know, mm-hmm. torn ACL. As has happened before. The, Not the they're always ACL, a bubble playoff team. Yeah. And he could be a reliable backup. Yeah. But to be able to get rid of him and to get a return, Chris Greer, the new GM of the Dolphins, he, this, I don't know how he pulled this off. I remember the first report I saw on it, the guy said, I don't know how Chris Greer pulled this off. And to get a return like that for a guy that they were planning to cut anyway, I love it. (laughs) I think it's time to move on from Tannehill. As for the next quarterback... No idea. I mean, <laughs> I was I wanted Teddy Bridgewater when the report came out. That they he, were talking about that, and he would have been a good fit. He's yeah. probably a starter on most NFL teams. Mm-hmm. And the report came out, he signed with the Saints. Then the report came out that he was still looking at Miami or the Saints. And then the report came out that he finalized the deal with the Saints. So I would have liked Teddy Bridgewater. I'm glad it wasn't Terod Taylor. I don't like him that much, although <laughs> it would have been a good bridge quarterback for a year yeah. for maybe Tua Tagovailoa next year or... <laughs> Justin Herbert or one of those guys in the next year's draft. But it really looks like they're looking at 2020. I would love to get a Kyler Murray, maybe even a Dwayne Haskins, just to see how they perform. But Did you take a Josh Rosen? I would take a Josh Rosen. I, yeah, I, I like Josh yeah. Rosen. I thought he would be the best quarterback out of that draft. I mean, you can't look at that first year. Like, you, you mentioned Jared Goff Carson and Wentz. Carson Wentz and those guys that didn't have a great first year. I think Josh Rosen could recover. I mean, he didn't have a lot of talent around him in that offense. I think if the Cardinals trade him, I would like to see him on the Dolphins. I think he has a lot of talent. Um, Really, anybody. <laughs> I mean, a young guy, preferably, not a Nick Foles. That wouldn't really help the rebuild. So, yeah, luckily we didn't sign him. There were rumors around that for a while, but they, they faded away. So, any Trevor Lawrence in three years, even. Um, Tua next year. Justin Herbert. A lot of tank for Tua talk. Kyler this year, but they'd have to trade a lot to get that pick. So it's looking more and more like a the, bridge quarterback. I this think year the cheaper option is probably going to be Josh Rosen. Yeah, I would. If take they that. do get Kyler Murray, so it I might mean, have to be after the draft they find their quarterback. Mm-hmm. It, if they get like a fourth round pick for Josh Rosen, which were rumors, it I don't think he's worth. I think he's worth more than that even after his rookie year. If they're able to trade away a fourth rounder for Josh Rosen, that's, that's what they got for Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I would take that. Yeah. a million times over. Yeah. Well, that was that, and really quickly before Liam takes us up on the ba- uh, on the baseball front, Blake Bortles has been released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not a big surprise there. Mm-hmm. And Nick Foles has a four-year, $44 million contract at Jacksonville. They have found their quarterback. So, Liam, what do you got for us on the baseball front? Opening day is just, I believe, 10 days away. A lot of hype going around that. And surprisingly, the two biggest pitching free agents, Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel, have yet to sign with an MLB team. What do you got for us on that front? Yeah, well, and you know, we'll start on, uh, I think we'll start on Dallas Keuchel because I think he is a real anomaly entering free agency here. You know, a left-hander who, you know, is, been, you know, a little inconsistent, but still a solid 2-3 uh, in uh, a good team's rotation. I think that he returns to the Astros, but there are some, you know, rumblings that he might want to go to Philadelphia, you know, may go, go to the American League, maybe the Angels need some starting pitching. So, guys, let me know your thoughts on that. Where do you think that Dallas Keuchel is going to go? Do you think all roads lead back to Houston, or do you think that he could go to Philadelphia with Bryce Harper and try to really contend here for the Phillies? Dallas Keuchel, the big story here is he's wanting a long-term deal. 
And it's very clear the Astros are not going to give him a long-term deal. It seems like he's going to accept a two-year deal max. They want to give him a one-year deal, kind of like a prove yourself that you're the same pitcher you were two seasons ago. Keuchel wants that stability. He wants the extra year for injury purposes. In case he gets hurt, he's guaranteed that money. With his, his, with his injury history, they don't want to give him that extra year. And I don't blame the Astros. But the problem is he has to make a decision fast because he's probably going to miss the first month of the season, the first five starts, whatever it is, because of he's holding out for so long. And it's harder for a starting pitcher because they throw more pitches, but I can't see him going anywhere else but Houston. They just let Charlie Morton go, so they're going to need another pitcher that's going to fill that role, and I think Dallas Keuchel is going to stay an Astro. But the price is not... I don't think the price is an issue. I think it's the length and the term. I think he wants more years for, for some injury stability. I think the Astros are connected with just a quick short-term deal. I find it insane that Throughout the entire postseason, the entire free agency, not much was said about Dallas Keuchel at all. I mean, he was the second best pitcher on the market besides Paxton and Corbin. Yeah, I mean, I mean Paxton was a trade, but yeah, but aside from free agency, it was pretty much only Paxton Corbin Corbin. and then Keuchel, and we there really wasn't much talk around him. And I think still a good pitcher. I think he could help a lot of teams, and I think the fact that there wasn't much talk around him, I think that's a sign that he'll pointing straight to Houston. Just re-signing there. It's the easiest option. It's the most obvious option. I think it... I mean, Houston's a contender. They would like a pitcher. I think it's just... I mean, it's the Astros. I think they're the front runners still. He wants the, he wants the stability, but they don't want to give him the stability. But does anybody want to give him the stability? I mean, if he wanted that stability, he would have gotten it by now. If a team wanted to give it to him, I think. I mean, we're we're approaching the season rapidly, and still he hasn't. Opening signed day is a deal. March twenty eighth, yeah, and it's March seventeenth, and he hasn't <laughs> signed a deal. I think he's gonna have to settle for Houston because I think they they could use him, but and I mean they're a contender. He'd like to go there. You know, guys, those are good points. And just a little bit of an addition, I just read on Twitter that uh, the Yankees are talking with Gio Gonzalez. And although there's a little bit of a gap in between negotiations, uh, it's interesting to see that uh, that the Yankees are interested in a left-handed starting pitcher and not looking towards Dallas Keuchel. Maybe it's the long-term, you know, AAV or the, the price tag or, you know, the year, certainly. But if you ask me, if the Yankees were going to go for another lefty in the rotation, I certainly thought that they were going to go for Keiko. What do you guys think about them uh, talking to Gio Gonzalez? Even though there is a gap in the um, in negotiations right now, they might be able to come to a deal. The whole thing surrounding this is I think they're necessarily when this is all in response to Luis Severino. Obviously, we know the situation. Severino is, is is going to miss the first month of the season. They expect him back sometime in May. The whole problem is, is that if they wanted a Dallas Keuchel, there was going to be a huge problem. If you had Keuchel, Paxton, Tanaka, Sabathia, keep in mind, Jordan Montgomery comes back from an injury in May, Tommy John surgery, they would have nowhere to put these guys. You wouldn't put Keigel in the bullpen. You wouldn't put CeCe in the bullpen. You wouldn't put Severino in the bullpen, obviously. I think the whole plan around this is Gio Gonzalez is cheaper, and B, when Severino comes back, you just add Gonzalez to an already deadly bullpen, and it just gets better and better for the Yankees' bullpen. I think that's the problem. I'd, would they like to have Keigel? Absolutely. If they didn't have Paxton, I'd say, yeah, go in and, go in and get him. But they have depth at the starting 
at, at, at the starting pitcher position. Chance Adams, who they have. Obviously, there's no more Justin Sheffield, but you have Jonathan Loisega, Luis Sessa, Domingo Herman. The options are there as terms of depth. The problem is they don't trust those guys for long-term stability right now. You have a trusted veteran who's proven success in this league, and when a guy like Severino comes back from an injury, you can move that guy like Gio Gonzalez to the bullpen, and you just you don't minus anything. You just add him to an already strength. And their best strength on that team is their bullpen. He makes it he makes it ten times better. Absolutely, it's all about depth. I mean, this is an easy option. I mean, Gio Gonzalez is looking for a team to play. This adds depth to to a starting rotation potentially or a bullpen. I think he'd be a good starter for them. I mean, he hasn't been great. He's been three of the last four years. His ERA has been above four, but he veteran presence. He he could he has the potential to have a great season. I mean, you you never really know with veteran pitchers they could break out. At look any at Charlie time. Wharton. I mean, he yeah, was thirty six exactly. years old and had a breakout season. And he, and he's only going on his age thirty three season. I mean, it's all about depth, really. And you have James Paxton. Severino's going to be out for a month, which is not that t- long mm-hmm. for a pitcher because they only play five times a week. Uh, mm-hmm. Excuse me, five t- five <laughs> starts in a month. Yeah. So, Once a week they play, which is uh, yeah. not terrible for a pitcher. Yeah, but, I mean, it's all about depth, and I think he'd be a better starting pitcher than a bullpen option because you, you know what their bullpen's like. It's dominant, yeah. and they they could use some help at starting pitcher. They don't need it, but this guy's a cheap option, easy option. He wants to play, so if you could get him on a starting rotation, if you could get him into this lineup and pitch and have him take the spot of a, a younger guy that maybe is inconsistent or a, a guy that's just not as good. Gio Gonzalez is a good veteran. He's been in the league. He's been good. And I think he could help the Yankees starting ro- rotation. Right. And, and, you know, I think the key point here is that Gio, and, you know, you mentioned it well, and Corey, I think that Gio Gonzalez is expendable in the bullpen. And I think that that's what the Yankees are really looking at. Because when Severino comes back and, you know, when you have Paxton and, you know, and, uh, Tanaka and Sabathia and all them in the rotation, there's not going to be a lot of room. And I think that having a lefty alongside uh, Jordan Montgomery, whether he's in the rotation or in the bullpen, I think is going to be valuable for the Yankees. And also, the fact that Gio Gonzalez is a postseason pitcher. He's uh, had experience with the Washington Nationals in the the playoffs. So I think that's going to be, it would be a real good pickup for the Yankees. Real expendable, versatile player. But, you know, we go from Keuchel to Kimbrell now, and, you know, we go to the relief pitching market, and it's been eerily quiet, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on Kimbrel because I think that he's going to go back to the Red Sox, but maybe a team, a mystery team, could swoop in and get the premier closer. Obviously, not a lot of teams want to go the length of the contract that Kimbrel's asking for. What do you guys think? Where do you think he's going to end up, and do you think how long do you think this waiting game is going to continue? I mean, let's be fair. I believe the asking price from Kimbrel was six years, $100 million. <laughs> Based off the postseason he had last year, there's no shot. He's getting six years, $100 million. This guy was so inconsistent in the regular season and the postseason that Chris Sale had to close out the series against the Dodgers for the wild card and a game against the Yankees because he was so inconsistent. That is just bad. Six years, a hundred million. The Braves want to get him. Fine by me. 
Get him out of the AL East. Because he's hot and he's cold. But there's a problem. The Red Sox have nobody in that bullpen that is capable of doing what Craig Kimbrell can do. That's what I think the front runners to come out of the AL East, and I'm not being biased, is the Yankees. Bullpens win you championships. We saw it. In 2015, the Mets and the Royals. The Mets had a better overall team, the better lineup, the better starting rotation. But who won the Met World Series? It wasn't Moustakis. It wasn't Hosmer. It was that deadly bullpen in Kansas City. And if the Red Sox do not have that, first place is an afterthought. The World Series is an afterthought. The ALCS is an afterthought. The wild card. Maybe that that's pushing it, of course. But you don't know what you have if you have a steady bullpen. The only pitcher I see out of that bullpen that could close is Ryan Brazier. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they have nobody in that bullpen. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I look up Craig Kimbrell's name, and the first article that pops up is Craig Kimbrell is probably screwed. He asked for too much. He set himself up for failure. I mean, after his postseason performance, you mentioned it. It's, he, no team's going to want to pay him like that. When the pressure is on, he's, he, he's at his worst, unfortunately. He's great in the regular season. Club games with a three-run lead, maybe even one-run lead. In the postseason, he almost choked away the, the divisional series against the Yankees. And would I like to see him back on the Red Sox for cheap? Or for cheaper than initially planned? Yeah, I'd like to see him in that, in that bullpen, but I don't think it's an emergency. I think... Brazier, Brazier has a lot of potential. I think that team survived without with a rocky bullpen last year, even when Kimbrel's the Rockies did. <laughs> I mean, like the Rockies survived, mm-hmm. the Braves survived. I mean, yeah, teams could get there without without a great bullpen, but it's really not something you want to do. Yeah. You want to have a solid I mean, bullpen. Kimbrel was the best bullpen option last year, and if we're losing him in an already shaky bullpen. Already, I mean, we won the World Series with Kimbrel. I think we could win it without him. Uh, I mean, trying and I, I acknowledge that exactly. And if we lose Kimbrel, we'll have to figure that out. I think Brazier could be good, but really, it's up to the Red Sox to figure it out. And bullpen's a concern, but I think we could survive on what we have right now. I, I really miss Joe Kelly. He was a great option, but you know, I think, I think they'll be okay. They'll figure it out. Maybe. Get maybe a surprise from somebody not Brazier, but you know, if we could get Kimbrel back, that'd be great. If not, I think they'll have to just figure it out and move on. Yeah, and uh, good points by both of you guys. And unfortunately, it's been a little slow around the baseball front. And you know, these two big names, Keiko and Kimbrel, hopefully they're going to come off the board in the coming weeks. Obviously, no teams. You know, you guys really touched on it nicely. No team wants to give them a the money or b the terms. And I think, you know, when the players come to accept that and we'll look towards a shorter-term deal, that's when, you know, a bunch of teams will come in. That's all I got on the baseball front. Will, what do you got on that? Yeah, and... Before we go to the basketball, I want to say something like you said. It went all the way down to the wire last season with one of the most valuable pitchers, closers of baseball, Greg Holland. Mm-hmm. He waited until the last minute to go to the St. Louis Cardinals and had a really bad season. I wouldn't be surprised if one of these pitchers has a bad season. Um, but that's that, of course. But moving on to the basketball, not a lot to discuss. I just see March Madness coming up. Villanova wins the Big East. A heartbreaker for St. John's and Seen Hall, obviously Sacred Heart loses in the first round of the oh, NEC. That could have gone to the Big East, uh, 
to the March Madness tournament. But That'd obviously, cool. the whole question here is Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. And uh, is he a one and done? He plans on entering the, uh, the NBA draft. He's going to be a great option there. But the whole question is will be the New York Knicks. Worst team in basketball right now. The stakes are high. Kevin Durant and you know Draymond Green have drama in, in Golden State. Maybe the the Knicks can get one of them. But other than that, it's been very slow on the basketball front too, aside from the Chris Porzingis trade a little over a month ago. Yeah, I mean, all right. Honestly, going into the NBA, uh, the college season, I thought Zion was going to be overhyped and not produce. I mean, I thought he played at a public school, not like any of the other recruits that typically play at private schools. So the competition wasn't the same. I thought he was just an athletic freak, not particularly great at basketball, just athletic and crazy, and it showed even more thanks to the public school. And he's proven me and all the doubters wrong. Throughout the season, he was dominant. And they lose him, you see what they lose. He comes back, drops 29 points on perfect 13-for-13 shooting. Uh, His stats in the last two games, 60 points against North Carolina. He scored 31. Yeah. Against North Carolina. And that's stiff competition. This team, he he was great. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, North Carolina was 31 last night with Florida State, and he, he dominated too. He really, he, he was clutch against North Carolina, made the game-winning shot off of his own miss, got the rebound. He's proven me wrong, and I think he's going to be great. <laughs> now, after seeing he brought when he came back, no rust. He missed five games or so, five or so games. And he showed no signs of being slowed down by that injury at all. He shot perfectly in the first game back. That is insane. He he's yeah. he's double double. He has double doubles. And he's not just an athletic freak. He is a great basketball player. And I, I'm really changing my opinion on him. I just hope I'm not a Duke fan. So I hope he doesn't lead him to the championship. <laughs> I'm certainly happy you came around on that, Corey. But you know, the thing with Zion is. This guy is a tremendous basketball player, and you look at the Duke basketball team, they're talented as is, you know, without Zion Williamson. And while he was out, you know, sure, they were struggling, but you certainly saw the difference he makes when he comes back. Obviously, a dominating performance the other night. And I I think that same mentality is going to translate in the NBA for Zion. I think that whatever team he goes on, and hopefully I'm hoping, and, you know, some other people are hoping that it's going to the Knicks, I think he is going to make a real difference on that team. And, you know, I think that we have not seen a player that is going to, you know, make such an impact uh, through the draft in quite a long time. And I think that Zion is proving that in his comeback from the injury. And he, if he just rocks it out the rest of the season, there should be no doubt, uh, very little doubt about his, uh, about his qualifications as an NBA star. Majority of Knicks fans are saying if they don't get the first overall pick, the draft is a bust. It's really yeah. not. Majority of Duke's team is going to go top 10, <laughs> whether it's Cam Radish, whether it's... R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett, whether it's Zion Williamson. Regardless whether you get the first overall pick, you're going to get top three. Worst top five. There's options out there. It's oh, yeah. not the end of the world. You know, it's... Yeah, but... Zion is insane. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> nothing's going to change the New York sports culture with Odell Beckham being gone, with John Tavares being gone, with Kristaps Porzingis being gone. Nothing is going to change the New York sports culture more than getting a big-name guy a like a Zion Williamson. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even think of all the, all the stars they've lost in the last yeah. year. 
to get a guy like Zion Williamson in New York in New York media world would explode i mean and it's definitely a possibility i mean that'd be great that'd be i'm not a knicks fan i don't like the knicks i'm a celtics fan in the same division there's conflict of interest right there but i i have to admit zion in new york that'd be you great can't anything, but yeah you yeah. can't ask anything and like you, look who he adds to on the stars list you have robinson Cano back in new york a, mm. a star peter lonzo star in the making you ha- aaron judge jacob Degrom. jacob Degrom. Yeah, the Matt Barzell, Henrik Lundqvist, the entire Yankees team. Yeah, uh, he will change the Knicks culture forever mm-hmm. if they get him, and I think that's their goal. You didn't even mention Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> of course. He, he's an afterthought because they just picked him up, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he will change that whole Knicks team, entire franchise, forever. Yeah, I have to say, I'm I'm starting to come around on that. And I really think he will be a franchise star. They. You know, it's going to change the you know the stigma that has surrounded the Knicks for so many years about just how bad they are and about everything that they do. It just backfires on them. And when Zion Williamson comes in, it's going to be it's going to be legitimate and it's going to be a, certainly a very very big impact. It's going to cha- it, I agree with you, Will. It's going to change the Knicks forever. It really is. He changed Duke. Duke had <laughs> yeah. had three top ten prospects other than Zion, and they couldn't, they went, they lost twice without him. He changed Duke, or three times without him. He changed Duke, and they come back, and they beat North Carolina after losing to them twice without him. Think about what it'll do for an NBA franchise that doesn't have those stars. He's going to do wonders for that franchise. So, that kind of wraps things up here. So we'll go into some closing remarks. We'll start with Liam. Liam, it was we again. We we apologize for keeping you till one o'clock. You obviously, you know, want to live your Sunday, but we had technical difficulties. The studio was locked. It's a Sunday. We apologize for all of that. Uh, give us what you got to close out this podcast. Absolutely no worries, guys. I mean, it was uh, it's awesome talking to you guys. Whether I had to do it. You know, a little later, I think that it was a huge week of sports. And I think that, you know, if you look at some of the struggling teams around New York, it's really starting to, you know, turn around for the Jets. You know, Le'Veon Bell coming in and, you know, and the Giants really realizing what kind of team they have and stripping it down, starting with Odell Beckham and, you know, undergoing a little bit of a retool slash rebuild. And I, I think that New York sports get really entertaining baseball season coming up. And let's see if Keiko, uh Keiko comes to the Yankees, or maybe surprisingly comes to the Mets. I'd certainly like to see that. So, uh, it's definitely, uh, definitely interesting uh, this week, and definitely get a lot more stories as it comes along. Liam and I were supposed to record the Penalty Box podcast directly after this, but due to the 45 minutes we spent fooling around with the audio, we'll have to record that on Tuesday. So, Liam, it was good talking to you. I will talk to you Tuesday. A lot of NHL stories to cover, including the surging uh, young stars of the Rangers. What a beautiful pass that was from Tony D'Angelo to Pavel Buchnevich. But we'll dissect more of that on Tuesday. Yeah, we sure will. A lot of hockey storylines for sure. It was awesome talking to you guys, and take care. Have a good weekend. All right, that was Liam Godwin. It's a fantastic job with us as always. Corey, your closing remarks. Well, I must say, Selection Sunday, I'm really excited for March Madness. I'd say there's about... There's the Super Bowl and March Madness are on a different level from any other sporting event. You get parties for the Super Bowl, but there's nothing that really brings non-sports fans and sports fans together like March Madness. You have more people 
filling out brackets that have never watched college basketball. <laughs> I mean, it's really crazy when you think about it. It's just college basketball, and everybody loves it. And it's really fun to watch, and I'm excited to fill out my bracket. Um, uh, I'll shout out, uh, let's see, Chris Greer for that Tannehill trade. I mentioned him earlier. And Aaron Murray in the AAF. It's funny. Nobody really cares about the AAF that much, but... It was doing well for like the first couple of weeks. Yeah, and people just kind of yeah. lost interest. But. It's kind of yeah. I mean, you want to see what it is, and then hey, but they away. get a crowd. I mean, like yeah. they they'll pan the crowd, and like they get like you yeah. know people in the seats, which is good. You know, th- they're trying to build that as the like the stepping stool to the NFL, mm-hmm. kind of like have their own affiliate, which is yep. where it's going towards. And I think it's good for the sport. Yeah, and I think Aaron Murray could be in the NFL. He came back. Uh, the Legends finally start him, and my team, for whatever reason, I just chose them. They're 0-3 now. They're 2-3, and they're on a hot streak. Aaron Murray looks good. I really think he could be the starter for the Dolphins, quite honestly. I think he could be an NFL quarterback. But, yeah, shout-out to him. But the really exciting thing about today, specifically, is March Madness is going to start. And tonight, everybody can fill out their brackets. So, look forward to that. I don't think St. John's gets in. They um, had an up-and-down season. You know, I, I don't think so. They had a great start. I like St. John's because I like Mustafa Heron. He, he was from Connecticut, and I wish I, I would like to see him in the tournament, but... My whole family went there, so... Really? My grandpa talked there for over 50 years. My mom and my aunt went there. My uncle went there. I chose not to go there. <laughs> uh, my cousin's probably going to end up going there. Uh, I Of course, I want to see them get in, yeah. but I don't see how. I, I can tell you this uh, much, UConn's not getting in. No. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, they got 48 points t- to oh Houston. I mean, that, that was, was ridiculous. Crazy. <laughs> and they losing record for the second straight year. Not good. But hopefully no. Dan Hurley brings them back. But, yeah, I mean, just look at us. We've never talked about college basketball before. And <laughs> look at March Madness bringing us together. It really brings everybody together. It's a really – it's like the holiday season for, yeah. for sports, really. There's the Super Bowl and March Madness. And, man, that's exciting. And it's something to put right in the middle because after the football season ends, there's not much sports talk to talk about because hockey's in the middle of the season, basketball's in the middle of the season, and you're kind of waiting for that March Madness because once March Madness comes, like right before the Sweet 16, the baseball Mm -hmm. season starts, and then right after, right before the Final Four day. Mm -hmm. And then once that passes, it's right into baseball season. So. It's kind of like a nice transition that they have there. but So that'll wrap things up here on the Sensational Sports Trio. If I sit the penalty box when I open the show, I apologize. <laughs> I don't know if I did, but I'll have to I listen to it on the way did. back. But on behalf of Will Pesek, Liam Goddard, Corey Picard, thank you for listening. And tune in next time you're listening to the Sports Trio on all your listening platforms, including Apple Music and Spotify.